I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind Massive Screens, a game development podcast here from Massive Entertainment in Malmo, Sweden. And for the second time and planned permanently. So so far. So far. Welcome to my dear co-host, Dory. Hey, everyone. It's a pleasure being back here. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to, well, continuing my reign and eventually having this as my own <laughs> solo podcast. Um. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm looking for shark objects under the desk. I mean, you, you don't know. I've already muted your microphone. Oh. I've cropped you up. <laughs> God damn it. Never leave the editing to other people. Anyway, as you we touched a little bit about in the last episode, you might have missed that. Uh, me and Dory used to work as in games journalism and games media, uh, both in front of, behind, both in front and behind, in your case, uh, the camera. Mm. And we would go to different events and uh, do a whole bunch of interviews every time. But there was one gang of people that we it was best and probably most hilarious interviews we we ever did and became this nice almost yearly tradi- tradition yeah, it was for, like for, this breath of fresh air in uh, <laughs> in a long line of stuffy game interviews <laughs> long just like pretentious game designers <laughs> and whatever we, we would meet sorry to all those people um and those interviews always included this guy audio listeners can't see me waving towards him but very welcome. Oh, yeah, this guy, and then I also need to make a sound, right? This yeah, guy, which is me. This, <laughs> this, that's your cue. Start talking. <laughs> okay. Welcome, Lau. Uh, thank you. So that is, and that is like, I don't know if it's 10 years ago or 15. It's like long time ago, right? We were young. We were young. We were young, all of us. Yeah, I think the first one is from 2010. That is. So that's 12 years oh, ago. That's 12 years ago. Yeah. 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 We're much older. You still look the same. I do. Happy and youthful. <laughs> Thanks. And now, lead game designer here at Massive Entertainment. Yes. Yes. I, I wasn't back then. Uh, back then, I was uh, doing a bunch of different things, but uh, but I think primarily part of a thing we called Copenhagen Game Collective. Yeah. Um, which is this, um, which was like a kind of like a game art collective where we explored all sorts of um, weird <laughs> weird games, essentially. And like, uh, just wanted to do silly stuff with games. Um and I think I think the reason uh, you guys found us and interviewed interviewed us um, in in these kind of like uh, weird settings was that we often wanted to kind of like explore party games and like yeah. uh, physical games and and games where you you know touched each other or did awkward stuff with each other. Uh, so that often happened at like I don't know at uh, late night at events and in all sorts of situations in uh, at a naughty game conference and all these places. Yeah. Uh, and we we just did a bunch of silly experiments and uh, and I think that was really fun. Yep. I mean the the one thing about those interviews and we'll get we'll get back to Copenhagen <laughs> Game Collective and all those awkward situations that your games uh, can create um, was. They were always not just silly. There were always like treasures in them of knowledge <laughs> and ideas and inspiration, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to in today's episode as well. But it was more than just it was more than just silliness, even if it didn't include you doing push-ups at one point. Mm-hmm. You you took that very seriously. And and this shocked me as I was looking through them the other week. A <laughs> lot of cursing. Yeah. How I, we got away with that back then? I don't think we could yeah, repeat what was said. Nordic game media. I mean, we, like, we just reflected it. Like it was yeah. dogma. Yeah. <laughs> Nordic game media with Danish developers yeah. and an Australian. Uh, yes, yes. Um, but anyway, let's go. Before what, one thing, we usually we we usually ask uh, our guests what it is they do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. like what a, what a lead game designer 
does. I think we'll get, in your case, I think we'll get back to that later. Mm -hmm. But let's just put a little bit into context. You went from this indie scene, which again, we will talk about later on mm -hmm. because it was a fascinating time and a lot of fascinating material came out of it. Um, but how did you go from that to massive entertainment? Um, yeah, well, uh, ooh, good question. Um, <laughs> so how, well, so I think I found myself we so where do I start? I guess let's just do the quick story. story. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But like the, the quick story is that like I, you know, I I founded a company. You know, after doing all sorts of weird stuff, we founded a company. We did uh, some less weird stuff, but still kind of like weird stuff. Um, <laughs> good, good explanation. <laughs> uh, and then I think th what is it? Three, four years ago, I left the company, and I took a long, hard, deep inside my soul and try to figure out what am I, what, what can I, what am I, you know, what am I good at? What, what can I even do? Right? Um, and no, I, I don't know. But like, I think essentially at that point, I, I didn't really knew what I wanted to do with my career. Um, and, and I, I kind of like, at, and that like, I also like for a long period, I, I worked in this kind of like, you could say independent games or like alternative games or like and almost anti-mainstream games. Uh, but I like slowly grew more and more kind of like um, interested in the idea of actually working on, you know, on bigger projects and, and on projects that uh, touched more people. Um, and and I think uh, all these kind of like borders of like doing, uh, you know, anti-mainstream and so on becomes, um, became almost more and more irrelevant. And I think uh, at some point I, I just kind of like saw that Massive were looking for for people and I, it was pretty easy to make an application. I just kind of like filled in a form and I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not sure I really want to do this. It's like almost the opposite of what I've been doing before. It's like hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in a big factory churning out games, right? Um, but I like made an application because I was curious and I wanted to kind of like talk with them and see what 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 this is. Um, and they replied back and it's like, yeah, hey, we wanna we wanna chat. I was like, oh no, what am I what am I going into? Um so I had an interview, they seemed really cool, they seemed like they worked on something they really had a lot of passion for, and, and they worked on projects that were actually, I think, impactful and meaningful. Um also just more than almost more than entertainment, but not saying that entertainment is not important and, and meaningful, right? Um, but but I think they had a mission and, and I think that was really interesting and, and touching. Um, and I did a design test and I talked with more of them and and I think I kind of like, you know, slowly kind of like the idea of working for, for a bigger studio like that uh, became more and more kind of like interesting. So I, I joined the team and, and it turned out, that's the thing, that that's a really interesting thing. It, it turned out that that what, you know, how we're making games and, and and the type of people that are working here, for instance, aren't that different, or they 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 are like almost exactly the same type of people that I was working with with before, right? It's almost the same type of like uh, way we're working. It's like it, it's it's not that different, um, right. and uh, so so that was like um, uh, I think a big revelation for me, and and I think it was also interesting that I could use a lot of the things I've been doing before uh, in this now kind of like big machinery. Um, and in the end, I think the the end result of what we're doing will be touching many, many more people. And and uh, in that sense, uh, it might be more uh, revolutionary or like more changing the world than than uh, what I was uh, maybe trying to do ten years ago. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that that kind of bleeds into one of the things that has always fascinated me in the game industry is because I, I've always had this kind of feeling that indies are what pushes the game industry forward like ideas that are explored in indie games where you know there are fewer voices or you can have a more distinct uh, vision and you have a, a quicker turnover in getting those ideas into a workable uh, project mm -hmm. that has always been like okay here's the blueprint and then a couple of years later you see the the same idea dressed in a triple a game but made bigger and in a way i feel like kind of your uh, career trajectory kind of mirrors that mm. evolution mm. In a way, because, I mean, you, while in the Copenhagen Game Collective, for example, you, you were making games that were kind of almost sending like the middle finger to games in a way, because it's like, we don't need our computer games to be <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have games and then it happens to be, you know, a computer component. And it just, 
yeah, I, I'm really fascinated in hearing more of of your perspective about indie games versus AAA mm-hmm. and like how the uh, the revolutionary ideas can be brought into a a more bigger produced mm. product. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think it's also like I think it's worth noting that that the picture today has become much more diverse and much more muddy in that sense. Like I think. Uh, when we did these interviews like 12 years ago and so on, uh, and even like slightly before, like 15 years ago, that it was like, it was really relevant to talk about, you know, mainstream AAA and independent game developments. And those two things were like very different, right? Um, and and there was this kind of like independent games movement that happened as a, almost as a reaction to 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 mainstream games, right? It was like a, a, a creative um uh, kind of like um, a rebellion against uh, mainstream games, against publishers that uh, were like driving everything for uh, you know profit and uh, uh, working on uh, the same conservative ideas again and again, right? So I think at that point in time there was really this kind of like splendor in uh, in in the games industry uh, of a group of people that really tried to do new stuff and innovate. Um, but over the last ten years, I think that that picture has become much more diverse, right? Like I think. Um, you know, suddenly, you know, independent games almost became mainstream in that sense, right? And not that it, we uh, we took over mainstream, but it's just just become normal, right? You know, now everybody, like all you know, gamers and so on, are playing these type of games. They're playing, you know, big blockbusters, and then they're playing a smaller game as well, right? Um, there's like now there's like a whole bunch of um, of publishers that are actually publishing independent games, which is like. You know, the whole thing we didn't want it to have <laughs> 10 years ago was like, no, we don't want publishers. And I was like, yeah, well, we just there's like independent publishers that are like funding these kind of like small creative projects. Um, and like even big things like, um, you know, Ubisoft or E and so on, also publishing and even self-developing these type of games. Um, uh, so, 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 and that's like, almost like you could say like the independent games movement almost um, kind of like, and and I think this is like a really a positive story that we don't really talk about. Like it, they they actually succeed in that sense, right? They they changed the game industry uh, to something that I think is much much better, right? That we have um, a diversity in the type of experiences we can play, uh, the length of them, the the amount of money we want to uh, pay for them, and all these kind of things, right? Uh, and and it has opened up the industry for a lot of different inputs and a lot of different voices. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but also, I mean, around the the same time that indies were were really taking off, I mean, you were seeing it was much easier to publish your games on Steam, for mm. example, mm. and a lot of the game engines became free to to download and try until you were yeah. starting to make profit. Then you know you needed yeah. to to pay back, and 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 that of of course also helped a huge influx of of new voices within games that maybe wouldn't have been there yeah, before definitely so so it's like yes there there was some people uh, like it's it's obviously on, on multiple fronts something happened here right um, there were some people who wanted to do something crazy uh, then as you're saying technology uh, became much more approachable um for for making games there were like uh, game engines that were suddenly something you could get and play with um and uh, and platforms as well, right? Uh, so it was, you know, Steam became a big thing where it was like became significantly easier. You know, back in the days, you couldn't just publish a game on Steam, right? You had to had like you had to like almost send the copy to to Gabe and being like, oh, this is not good enough." And right, like that, that's not how it works today, right? Uh, and the same, and Steam was even an open platform, right? Then like Nintendo, or like Microsoft, and and, and Sony were uh, like impossible. You had to make like be kind of like an improved developer and get the development kits and so on. It was a really hard process. Uh, but those things slowly opened up there. Like, what is that now? Like 15 years ago or something like that, right? With, yeah, with around the, the Wii U. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So so the eShop and the Wii U, but also Xbox Live Arcade, I think, was yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah. right? Uh, and then Sony's uh, thing became also a big thing. I can't wait. Like all these kind of like eShops and so on. Um, and I think that what, I guess what they were actually looking at was, um, was the, you know the, the the smartphones and and the whole big business uh, kind of like uh, economy or like uh, ecosystem around smartphones and making super small uh, apps and, and and earning money from them right so so suddenly this whole you know the smartphone these kind of like platforms opening and technology all these things kind of like made it possible um, for smaller teams to make games which is insane because it wasn't like that 
20 years ago or 25 years ago. It was like that, I think, 40 years ago, right? Uh, you know, that, that was only like, you know, in, in, I guess in the 80s, a game was made by more or less like three or four or five people, right? Um, or 70s, maybe. Um, but like during the 90s and like uh, around kind of like uh, 2000 and so on, it, the, the, the industry became this kind of like bigger and bigger and in- entities that only made, uh, you know, AAA games and so on. It becomes really hard for, for um, like making games uh, wasn't something you could just pick up and do, right? Um, and I think that's, uh, and I think that has been like, as, as I said before, I think that is super positive uh, that now it like it has been like we have broken down these barriers in many different ways, right? I'm not saying I did it, um, <laughs> but uh, but um, uh, and and I think everybody now almost just takes that for granted, and I think that's, uh, but I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and, yeah sorry. And so, w- would you say that um, that that revolution of, of indie games is? Well, you kind of touched on that. It's kind of bleeding into the AAA development yeah. because uh, it's, it's, I guess, easier to experiment a little bit and prototype mm. and, and get your your crazy ideas and, and, and voice into a, a AAA game. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, and, and I don't know if it's it's just massive. I don't think it is. But like, I, I was imagining that when, when I showed up here, like everybody would be playing like uh, Call of Duty or something like that. And I think, you know, Call of Duty is cool and I I, I totally respect uh, the craftsmanship and what they're doing, right? But it's not like, it's not what they're doing. Like everybody is around me are playing, um, you know, there's like Johan, he's playing Slay the Spire, which is this kind of like deck building, roguelike kind of game. And there's uh, uh, other, like Scott, my other programmer, is, is playing uh, Noita, which is this kind of like wizard, weird, uh, like indie game where you're like, you can like generate all these kind of like elements and spells and so on. Um, and Linda next to me, the game designer, like, she, I, I don't even know what she's playing, but it's like super weird stuff and so on, right? <laughs> so it's like, they, like everybody around me are just like playing these games and uh, and being inspired by them. And like, we're looking over and be like, we're discussing, um, you know, uh, progression system in Hades and, and, and you know, how, how these cool uh, uh, skills and, and what do they call them? Booms and so on, like play together and, and you can like mix and match these, these things and so on. So we're discussing this kind of stuff. Uh, Subnautica, whatever, like all this kind of stuff is is uh, references for us. Obviously, you know, it's also references for us on like, you know, how they're doing weapons in, in, in Call of Duty because they're doing them pretty good. Uh, and, and and if we were if we were working with weapons, we want to look at those that are doing it pretty good, right? Um but but it's so it's so so there's like this big mix of um, of references we're looking at and uh, and are playing and enjoying uh, because you know we like these type of games as well, right? Stepping, stepping back a, a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, back into your your background, because we we mentioned Copenhagen Game Collective mm-hmm. before. I'd like to just uh, hear a little bit more about how you ended up in games to begin with, yeah, and why you ended up in an um, organization such as the Copenhagen Collect- Game Collective, yes, and what it kind of was, what yeah, it yeah, embodied yeah. back yeah. then. Cool. Yes. Um, so, how did I end up in games? Um, I it's hard to say. I think I I've always made games like i like since i was i think the first drawing i can remember i did was like it was like a board game of um i played as a little fly and you had to kind of jump from water lily to water lily and there were like frogs and you had to kind of roll a die and so on so so i like i've literally always made games i i i haven't really played like as a kid, I just made games and hosted games for other people. Like I was the one organizing, like wh- how we were supposed to like make the rules for like you know. Now we're playing with these cars, and it's like now well we have to do a, a I don't know a competition, and they have to like crash into each other, or whatever, right? Uh, so like I I just like always did that, and I still do it. Like when I you know with my kids and with my with my <laughs> with my um, uh, nephews and so I'm like I'm 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 still like playing with them and hosting games and wh- whatever, right? Um, and I think so. So that has always been with me. Obviously, I've had other interests as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think when I when I grew up, I was like, well, um, and it wasn't that you know I didn't know anybody in the games industry. But but I think I've always when I when I kind of like saw a future for myself. I think I it it often kind of like involved somehow working with games. Um, and I um, so for instance, I picked I I you know after I went to high school or gymnasium or whatever you're calling it in Denmark when I'm, where I'm from. Um, we, um, you know, after that I had to kind of like bit, uh, pick a education and I, um, 
I took a bachelor in something that is called humanistic information science, which is this kind of like a mix between um, you know IT and humanistic studies, and like so you're learning a bit of programming and you're learning a bit of um, uh, learning theory and all sorts of things, uh, which is like you know it doesn't have an outcome, but like I was seeing it as like well it doesn't prevent me from working in games essentially. <laughs> so that was like it was a way of like selecting things that. Uh, um, uh, and like in, in, for instance, in those courses, whenever we did something, uh, so we had to learn about databases. And like when we did it, when when we had to build databases, I I built it a like essentially like an onri- online role play game. Uh, so you had to kind of like these kind of like do you know these kind of like turn based games on, in a browser where you like click on things and stuff happens and so on. So like, I, j- I just built it games and like hacked all my all my <laughs> courses to make games essentially. Um, and then, so I, there was a bachelor. Then I took a a master in games uh, at the IT University of Copenhagen, and that is a um, so that is a university that well they do a bunch of different IT things, but they have a dedicated game lines. Uh, so that was really cool. So now suddenly I was in <laughs> part of a crew with a lot of people that were interested in games, um, and uh, and that's actually around there where we where we uh, formed the Ga- Copenhagen Game Collective. Um, we did these kind of like all so we did all sorts of like weird prototypes and physical party games and so on. Uh, we did a erotic uh, written game. Uh, we used the the Wii modes, for instance, uh, to play with, um, and you had to kind of like uh, get into a a zinc together and 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 find a, a nice written uh, towards a climax and these kind of things. Uh, and we did. Um, uh, a kind of like a physical uh, party game where you almost had to kind of like it was called brutally unfair tactics totally okay now and you had to kind of like wrestle each other like in in real life in order to push a button uh, and so 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 we worked on all these kind of like weird explorations and and I think we figured out so we were maybe a group of I don't know ten people and we figured out hey make, let's make a <laughs> let's make a banner or let, let's call us let's call ourselves something uh, because then people can start talking about us um <laughs> so so that was yeah worked on us <laughs> yeah <obviously>. exactly <laughs> uh, so we called ourselves Copenhagen game collective and then we got invited to like uh, you know festivals and conferences and so on uh, and and we could like interviews uh, and uh, interviews and it's like oh, it's those people from Copenhagen game collective <laughs> um so we 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 did that kind of like around you know while we studied and 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 in the years after um and while we did that we also slowly so we you know slowly also you could say matured or 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 had to kind of like realize well we also need to kind of like earn money or like you know build and maybe a a career beyond being invited to a conference um so these like these group of people slowly formed into a number of game studios Mm -hmm. um uh one of them uh, so uh, was uh, a studio i, I formed uh, with uh, with a few of the other uh, people from there uh, which we called uh, napnock games um so we released we worked on games for to begin with for nintendo uh, we did a game called um what is it called spin the bottle bumpy's party which is uh, this kind of like it's it was for the wii u and the cool thing about the wii u uh, like I was super excited about the Wii U because it exactly is as you talked about. Like you could turn off the TV and we could play together. We could sit, we could place the gamepad in front of us or between us, and then we could play a physical uh, party game together where the gamepad was kind of like facilitating the game, right? Um, so, so we did this kind of like spin the bottle game where we had to like do awkward, um, awkward things together as as dares almost. So you like spun a bottle, you got a partner, and then you had to do something like it wasn't like super awkward. It was just like. You know, slightly awkward. Yeah, well, like uh, semi awkward. It's like it wouldn't it wouldn't be awkward for children. Like that's the thing, right? But it would like be massively awkward for like uh, grown ups. So it's like uh, hug another person and jump together, uh, or um, or these kind of like you know stand behind you know back to back and then pass a Wii mode over your heads and then below your legs and then like but carefully because like it was a badger so you couldn't shake it because then it woke up and so on. Uh, so these kind of like weird challenges. Um, and so, and we did uh, a few other things. We did um, a uh, a game called Affordable Space Adventures, uh, in where you use the gamepad as this kind of like interface to a spaceship, um, and you could play it in, in couch co-op where you were like multiple, like one person was the pilot, another person was the engineer that controlled all the systems in the spaceship, and so on. Uh, so again, this kind of like exploration of like what is happening out out here in the living room, what can we do uh, with, with uh, of interesting stuff with the physical physical controllers. Um, so we did that, and 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 we slowly kind of like grew. Uh, we got an, 
after that, we we got in contact with Sony, who wanted um, us to do. Um, uh, they had an, an initiative they called PlayLink, in where you had to come like uh, play games with uh, with your uh, home, uh, with your phones. Um, so again, you know, uh, they wanted like some interesting, fun party games with new weird controllers, and and that was kind of like our thing <laughs> at that point <laughs> in time. Um, and we so we slowly grew, and we're actually like a semi pretty big uh, studio at that point in time. Um, uh, so 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 th- that's kind of like that was kind of like the history. Now I went beyond Copenhagen Game Collector, but like that was the history yeah, yeah, of like yeah, but- my, my career. And then at that point, I was like, oh no, we're running out of money. Sony don't they want to make uh, new PlayStation Five games instead of silly party games for PlayStation Four? Um, so we were like slowly scaling down, and that was also kind of like the point where I left my old studio and we're like trying to figure out what I should do with my life. And that's where we yeah, came back to no, the, yes. how you ended up in Massacre. <laughs> I think we see, we, we're starting to see a theme here when it comes to controllers, and I really want to talk about that. I just want to say, I just want to return to one game yeah. you were talking about real quick. Uh, brutally Unfair Tactics, totally okay now. Yes, or, uh, or Button, as or uh, the, most button. of the world will know it. Yes. yes. As one course during my university years, and this is going <laughs> to kind of tell you a lot about the quality of that education, but uh, <laughs> we did do a streaming project. And this was back in 2012 where streaming stuff was actually kind of tricky, mm-hmm. special different software, keys everywhere. It was Justin TV, maybe, I can't remember. But we did a special stream as the kind of the, the final, mm-hmm. not paper, but the final assignment of that particular course. We did mm-hmm. a button live stream. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and the wonderful thing with button is that it doesn't enforce any rules. No. Yeah. So it, it essentially what you have, you have four people, you have four controllers, and then the game tells you to do something. And it could be interact with those controllers. Like the, the, the person who presses A the most in this time frame mm. wins. Mm. You have to rush to the controllers and kind of mm. hammer. Or maybe just act like an elephant. Mm. This mm. is where the push-ups <laughs> in one yes. of the old interviews came from. Uh, stuff like that. And what, what we were able to create with it, even if we'd taken out the live stream part, was you were able with Button, you are able to build something around it. Like mm. we had a, a wheel we would spin mm-hmm. for the person who lost. They had to do something, like dress up like Scooby-Doo or put lemon juice in their eye or like <laughs> stupid stuff like that. And the Welcome game- Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> it's kind of, that was my only, my, my two hours of Jackass moments. Um, but what the game, the game facilitated this stupid behavior yes. without it being on screen. It, yeah, was a, it kind of gave you license mm, to behave. License so, to yeah. be- no, and, and at school exactly. getting student loans for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I think, yeah, I think that was, it like, uh, I think that was the magical thing about it, right? Um, that you're like, you're going up to something that looks like a video game, right? And the game tells you something. It tells you first, it tells you to like, you know, put down your controller. So everybody puts down their controller. Then the game tells you to like, step five steps away from the TV. And then everybody does that. And then, then you know, it, it, it does a countdown. It's like three, two, one... But then it like pauses on one and it goes on forever or something like that. It like so we like we had like we we constantly kind of like just play with the players. Like what, yeah. one of the messages was like, okay, you know, step away from the computer. Then you know the the game tells you to close your eyes. Then everybody closed their eyes and then you were standing there like how how am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to open my eyes again? And, and like and in the end like so so people are like start starting to kind of like follow these instructions, but then slowly figuring out that you know this game is just playing with me, right? And yeah. and 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 you're getting into this this almost playful relationship with the computer of like you know okay let's 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 playfully break the rules together you know you yeah. could imagine that i'm holding you back and 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 or like i'm 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 jump starting and starting before you guys or whatever right um so you you but but so you're slowly starting to kind of like play playfully break rules together and playfully interact with each other in really weird ways right because the game is inviting you to that yeah. um but and still that and I th- like i think the magical thing is that you're not you know, it works, right? You're not, because like you're still, we all, we, you know, when we play, you know, when, when we play, uh, what, you know, when we play whatever, uh, uh, soccer uh, in, in, in the park, and there's no computer enforcing those rules either. But we, you know, we follow the rules because like the, the game is more fun if we like mostly follow the rules at least, right? So that kind of thing of like, it's actually interesting that, you know, we don't need all these layers of, of, of systems telling us what to do or not because like we, we all enjoy having fun. Like, sure, you could play, you could play button in a very kind of like non-fun uh, way of just like I'll I'll just not move back when when the game tells me to, but that means that you will lose out on the fun, right? Yeah. 
Um, because the game yeah. doesn't keep track of any scores or mm. it, it, obviously impossible for some of the things that it, mm. it wants you to do mm. but but the game is just there as a facilitator as you say you build mm. up this relationship and it's kind of communication with the game yeah, it, it uh, takes out takes the rule set and the monitoring of following mm. rules out of the game and mm. into the collective consciousness mm. of the mm. people mm. that are actually playing and mm. and uh, it kind of gives you license to play differently. Mm. I mean, like there's a whole subset of uh, a culture subset of people that play games, speedrunners mm. mm. that yeah. are intentional. Like, I don't care how the developer is telling me to play the game. I'm going to mm. do it this way and I'm going to do it yeah. faster. Yeah. Like, Yeah, and I think that's fascinating. You, there's like a lot of other examples of like, you know, people playing, um, you know, Dark Souls in, 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 in like ways that are not, yeah, you on, know, on a dance mat of, or yeah, with yeah, a toaster. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so like, why are you doing that? Because it's fun, right? It's yeah. not, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to play the most optimal way to have fun. Like often actually the most optimal way of playing is like sometimes just drawing the fun yep. in, in many games, right? Yeah. How, how, but coming from, from button now, button, button, how controllers, these loose kind of rules. By the way, the name Brutally, brutally Unfair uh, Tactics, totally okay now, also in itself creates this weird situation where... <laughs> Obviously, the game is not only telling me what to do, but also I'm obviously allowed to use brutally unfair tactics. Yeah, so the totally amount okay. of pushing and shoving <laughs> when you're trying to reach those buttons, uh, it's not pretty, but it's so much fun. <laughs> anyway, because um, you, you touched upon it before, um, the controllers, mm -hmm. your relationship to controllers. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm super fascinated by 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 controllers, actually. Um, and I think it's... it's it's uh, I'm fascinated because... And I don't think people realize that, but like controllers really define what type of experiences uh, you can you can make as as a game developer, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least uh, it makes some experiences way easier than other experiences, right? You know, it's there's no, um, you know, it's it's not without reason that that um, that modern uh, gamepads have uh, triggers because like triggers makes it really fun to shoot stuff. Like it's it's just natural and it's it's nice and it feels good to shoot things uh, with with a gamepad. Uh, it's actually much more natural than it is with like a mouse and keyboard. I, I feel at least, obviously, you know, a big debate, right? <laughs> but like it, 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 it feels good, um, and that means that it's like it's it's just a natural, um, it's a natural thing to to fall back to and make like let's make stuff where you like you know use a trigger and, and aim at things. You know, wow, I wonder what that would be, right? Um, but uh, so so that's why like whenever <laughs> over the last you know fifteen years, whenever some. Uh, kind of like platform came out with a new controller, whether like it was like Wii modes or the gamepad or the 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 move controllers or like VR, whatever. Like I think all the time something like that comes out. I think it asks uh, kind of like a new question of like what type of what type of experiences can this thing do, right? Um, because all these suddenly opens up for like oh connect oh I did <laughs> I did so many things with connect <laughs> and, <it was> like, <laughs> and it was so interesting right but uh, you know for, uh, for a designer I guess um, <laughs> um, I, I don't, do people even know what connect is today I don't know they do <laughs> I, I guess some some people will we might uh, be dating ourselves by, yeah. by saying it kind of <laughs> when connect came out but yeah um, but I think it's it's just so exciting because it just gives you this kind of like you know what 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 type of experience can I do, right? And you have all these pictures, and, and especially for Connect, you have all these pictures in mind of what you think it can do, and then apparently it can't do that, but it can do other things and so on, right? But it like it creates this kind of like um, I think I think that's what I'm really fascinated about uh, controllers um, is that that it it kind of like it sets it gives me it gives me a toolbox for like creating certain experiences, and I you know you can either try to fight that toolbox, and that's that's sometimes interesting, right? Uh, or you can play along with it and say like, well, this controller facilitate this kind of experiences, um, and I think even even I think even in 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 big kind of like mainstream games, um, although like often they are like um, uh, you know you're still tied to like so you know often like the more conservative controllers like a gamepad and so on, but still even just with a gamepad, I think um, mapping kind of like actions and interactions to different buttons still means something, right? It yeah. means something whether you're like, um, you're using the trigger to, to uh, you know, hug somebody or if you're using a, a button, right? Like those two things can like do, you know, give different experiences for me. Um, uh, so so like how I'm using a controller and, and, and the comfort of it, but also the experience of, of touching things and, and, and manipulating these objects really, um, I think really does something on a very kind of like low level, um, uh, so so now, yeah. How 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 working with people that have a, like 
creating these games, like the erotic game we talked before about before, very briefly. Dark room, <laughs> dark room sex game. Yes, uh, yes. look it up. Wonderful, very another, straightforward. Another name. point for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at that, or other games that you you made, like John Sebastian Joust and stuff. Um, how what happens when you put these things into? It's one thing to to have a you're fascinating by the controllers and what you can do and game you're a game designer and, and, and can have like philosophical discussions about controllers. But what happens the moment you put to somebody that might not be used to these kinds of experiences when, when you put the controls in their hand, let's say a Wiimote, for example. Yeah. So, oh, um, or a move hmm. controller. Like. I think so. So I think it touches on another thing uh, and now it becomes also a bit geeky, right? Because I think, that's, like we, <laughs> that's okay that's now now it gets geeky what, what is it, like half an hour in no but like i'm glad um, finally so often we think about controllers as um as input devices right like yeah. they are devices uh, that you use to kind of like uh, control a game with right you give inputs to the game uh, and i think in modern kind of like um user experience uh, paradigms and so on. Like, I think this kind of like layer has to be as invisible as possible, right? You, you shouldn't be aware of you having a controller in your hand, like ideally, right? You should just be immersed in the game. Mm -hmm. and you should just be in there and like the game should like, you should just intuitively and naturally play the game. Like that's often a, a design paradigm. Um, but I think, and that's maybe true uh, or maybe valid, but I think uh, especially looking at, at, at weird and, and physical controllers, um, it's almost opposite. Like that controller is also a output device, right? That that controller is just, you know, and, and when I'm saying that, it means that I'm like, part of the experience is that, you know, me dancing or me shaking this thing or me, uh, you know, in, um, in, uh, in back in the day with like the Wii and you had like Mario Tennis, right? And you can just play it like this, but like every, like if you really wanted to enjoy it, you really played this tennis game as like you slammed the, the, the tennis ball with, 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 with a racket, right? Um, and that means like, and that's because like part of the enjoyment of that game is just observing and, and, and observing myself and, and, and feeling motion and feeling that I'm moving, right? Uh, it's not just like it's... It, <laughs> these kind of like um, motion controllers and so on are actually terrible input devices, right? They're actually really bad at controlling games because they're imprecise and and they're terrible to work with and so on, right? But they are like great as like experiences and output devices. Like it gives me something. It's it's uh, it's like a, almost like a, like, so we have the visuals, we have the audio, but then I also have the motion of myself in in, in, in a room, right? Um, and I think that's uh, that's something you, you, you rarely experience. And you can also see it on, on on modern controllers, right? Like, you know, the haptics or the audio from the controller, whatever it is, like the the, the adaptive trigger on the on the PlayStation, all these things gives me like, send signals back to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, um, is like actually making the controller being like, you know, loud and, and, and noisy and say like, hey, I'm, I'm here, right? You know, um, and, and, and I think that's a, so that's really exciting. And, and I think, so, so to answer your question, um, it's okay. I've forgotten what the question was. No, no, was right it was something about like what happens when. You, <laughs> oh so, yeah, wait, so when what, you so give it to what I'm saying person, is yeah. when when you give it to especially kind of like non kind of like hardcore gamers, uh, they start expressing right. They start mm -hmm. doing they start doing weird stuff right, and they start doing they start dancing. They start uh, experimenting with like what can I do and how can how can this thing right. So so it's almost this you know you give them again you give them a permission and and allow them to to express themselves. Uh, in a in in a in, a, in uh, with motion, right? Right. Um, so I think that's often what happens in these kind of situations. Like it starts becoming like you start actually acting. Like that's also like I think you know playing these kind of games are super weird to do alone, right? Because like you're just standing there, and I'm like, why am I even doing this? Why am I not having a controller in my hand, right? But in in a crowd and a party setting, it becomes meaningful, right? Because like suddenly there's like there's people looking at you and you're like, it's, it's like, uh, you know, suddenly you can actually express and it makes sense to act out and, and, and have fun together. Right. Um, so, so yeah. So, so, so I think, uh, these kind of like controllers, like often give you opportunities and invite you to like act and, 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 and engage with like an audience or a crowd around you. Right. Or other players essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And just on the topic of, uh, a controller being an input device that you shouldn't, be conscious of i i've never really thought about it that much until i got a controller for my pc that has playstation buttons mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of games that have only xbox input so it says press x and mm. i'm like looking down the oh yeah that's actually the square <laughs> yeah and 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 just that little break mm. in uh, continuity if mm. you will is like mm. oh yeah i i 
I, I've taken it for granted so many times mm. where I pick up a controller and I'm mm. just pressing buttons mm. automatically to do yeah. actions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's wild, right? What what these kind of like shifts can do uh, to you, and like how suddenly you're like, oh, I'm I'm sitting with a plastic thing in my hand, right? What is going on here, right? Um, so I'm out, so so I think it is totally valid, right? To to try to make it as invisible as possible, um, and and try to have players not kind of like having to spend kind of like mental energy on like, uh, what is going on here, right? Like uh, being immersed in the game, right? And it's like that's also why you know you're often doing, you know. Everybody's trying to do the same type of mapping of things, right? You know, it would be totally weird if you had to like move your character with your right stick and like look around with your left or whatever. Right? You would just be like, "Why are you even doing this? Like, why are you adding this kind of like uh, weirdness to uh, uh, to this experience, right?" Yeah. Um, uh, un- unless that was like a part of what you want the player to be feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think you have, I think you have a certain amount of like weirdness budget uh, you can play around with, and like you can try, you know to allocate it on different things in your games. Um, but like, if, if you go too weird, it just becomes like, you know, people can't even recognize this as a, a game or whatever, right? Um, so I think there's like, you know, there's definitely room for doing new things and be like, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool to use the controller and I don't know, you know, right stick use the right left leg and left stick use the left leg and you go like this or whatever, right? Maybe, maybe not for all experiences. <laughs> What do you think, uh, you mentioned it real briefly before, you just touched on VR, you just said the word oh, VR, yeah. and if you say the word VR, <laughs> an experimental <laughs> controller, I guess we just have to talk about VR real quick. Yeah. I mean, how how would you, do you think that this, like with the controllers and the kind of experiences that VR on top of that would um, offer, or maybe we're moving away a little bit about what you said with people around you, no, no, well, VR is more solitary to some extent right, right? but i think I, so we <laughs> i did a prototype oh, <laughs> called what was it called it was like not the same theme as the one no it was like <laughs> a hacking game so we did a like a, a just for kind of like a play you know a game jam we did a hacking vr game where like you put on your vr headset and then you could type in a, like a url uh, of like a real website and then we kind of like grab the <laughs> graphics from that website and like put it into like a 3D world so you can kind of like move so it was like this kind of like 90s hacking fantasy uh, so you had to kind of like navigate a cool 3D maze with the elements of the website uh, that we kind of like just scraped and then the way you controlled the game was that you just slammed a keyboard <laughs> and you just like typed <laughs> bam, 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 and then you like pressed I think you looked in a direction and then you like pressed space and then you like flew in that direction right um <laughs> And I think, so that's part of, and I think that experience of, well, is, uh, you know, that's also expressive, right? That's mm-hmm. also fun. And it's part of like acting out a fantasy uh, of like, yeah, that's how you hack in the 90s, right? You're just slamming a keyboard really, really fast and like, you know, navigating a maze and so on, right? Um, so I think there's something still in, uh, in, in, even in VR games, sorry, <clears throat> that I think can be expressive and can be um, um, uh, social, right? Uh, even in, in the same locations, I think uh, there are also like really awesome prototypes of like, you know, one game, one player being in VR, another player not being in VR and having kind of like interplay between those players, right? Um, so, but back to your question of like, so mm. we are, I think, uh, so, uh, I th- okay. And now maybe I'm getting a bit uh, kind of like old and grumpy. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's but, fine. But I think if yeah, you know, so we have had like in 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 my kind of like career, right? We started out with the Wii, uh, and then with like PlayStation Move and Kinect uh, and VR. And wh- wasn't there another thing? I can't remember. There's like there's been like this continue like continu- continuous kind of like stream of uh, of trying to innovate, which is like awesome and i'm jumping into all these things and i'm like yes <laughs> this is going to be the next thing right this is going to give me new ex- interesting experiences um but we're still sitting here with a gamepad in our hand right yeah. and not playing things on tv um uh, and i think uh and there are many reasons for that but i think part of it is that you Im- like maybe you even have like when when you when you think about the like when I think even everybody, like uh, game designers and uh, just normal people in the street, when they think about these technologies, they think they can do a lot of really cool stuff that they really can't do. Uh, so you have these kind of like massive hype for like this innovating uh, new experiences, but then you're just hitting the reality of like, 
wait, this is like this is not how it's like actually working, right? So in VR, for instance, right, you you um, a lot of people imagine that stuff like um, you know first person shooter or first person games would be like awesome, right? Because like this, you know, you you put the screen on your head and you look around, and that's what you do in first person shooter. You look around, uh, but it, but you also move, right? And that and that's the other thing, and you can't really. Um, uh, movement in virtual reality is really really hard and is like makes most people sick and so on right so so uh, so even like so that's like you could say almost first wave of these kind of games is like yeah let's make a first person shooter in vr and then you you know you put the head on and you run around and you give you maybe a controller in your hand but it feels really weird because like your body is not moving and you are so most people will start puking or you'll get sick after like 10 minutes at least um it's also weird that you you know the the you know, the, either you have a controller or you have these kind of like physical things in your hand, but it's like not really connected, right? What happens if you get to a wall and you touch it and you just like put your hand through it? And so all these things is like, um, like the the dream you had about like, yeah, let's make first person VR games or like first person shooter VR games. Like that, that's like what everybody thinks would be like cool, but it's like, it doesn't work. Or like it, it's, it's, it's not actually a great experience yeah i remember at at e3 we tried a resident evil village prototype in vr mm. and for that prototype they had not removed the head bob mm-hmm. no. so <laughs> oh, you know you're walking and all of a sudden your vision is like popping yes, up and yes. down and it was like i think there was a line of game journalists out the door and puking <laughs> right outside this <laughs> yeah. is like the, the day was almost ruined yeah yeah the release version was fine, but yeah. it's like these these lessons that need to be learned mm. when they are coming in the first wave of content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put puts off the first adopters, mm. Mm. and and yeah. then it's really hard to kind of claw it back. Yeah, and yeah. And, and convince them again. Yeah. and I think even like I think for instance for virtual reality, I think some of the stuff that really works is that uh, you know for instance almost like third-person platformers where you have a static camera that you can sit and look at the scene and then you're like moving a character around here. Yeah, like like um, Mars. That was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not, that's not the fantasy. No. Like the fantasy is that you are like looking out of your eyes and like you are the person they are running, right? Uh, yeah, so and, for, like, and for that, you need the Maunus gloves, you need the Omni-Track yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, and, it's, it's, and it's, I think it's actually the same with like all those technologies, right? There's like a fantasy in your head when you look at this kind of stuff. And like, then making games for those kind of things is like suddenly you have to figure out if the Venn diagram of like the fantasies and what is realistic to actually do, if it even overlaps, or if the, of it, or if it doesn't. Right for the Kinect, it didn't. It was like you know you had this imagination. <laughs> this is what I can do, and this is what you can do, and it's like there's like no overlap, right? Um, so so, and I think the same thing for VR, right? I think we're still searching. Like, there are like really good and fun experiences. Um, but but I think we're still figuring out like where is where's actually that overlap of like my fantasy and uh, and what is a what what works well right yeah yeah I think this is one of those conversations. Did you have? Yeah, I I, I was just thinking I, I wanted to kind of bring it since we're getting yeah, to the hour here. I mean I mean the boring. No, but I I want to try and bring it a little bit closer to like what you do. Here at Massive, oh, oh, uh, yes. and 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 uh, <laughs> oh 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 right, yeah right, right, no right. and I and I, I there was something that you mentioned before about um, controllers and and being mindful of which action you're putting on mm. which buttons mm-hmm. and that kind of the dichotomy between where you've come from in the past where it's mm. like oh you want to give agency to the player to to play how they want mm. but then having a designed experience that how you want them to feel when they're pressing buttons and also how that comes into customization and uh, accessibility, mm. for example. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, how much freedom do you want to give to people to remap and, mm. and, and, and mm. stuff like that while retaining, mm. you know, well, your intended uh, feelings and purpose of, mm. of, you know, the controls? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that's super interesting, actually. And I think um, it's also one of the things where, like, when, when, uh, for instance, when joining a big studio like like Ubisoft, right, and, and Massive, they just have their their stuff together so much more than actually we did in 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 making indie games, right? Like th- there's just expectations, right? Like we do like these things should be like extremely approachable and extremely accessible. Uh, you should be able to like you know 
uh, always have a um, you know a, a, at least a mode of like you know flipping it to left-handed, uh, you know a one-hand uh, mode and so on, and 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 also fully accessible controls and these kind of things, right? Um, and I think that uh, so so I think that is super inspiring that the bar is just high to begin with. Um, it does create interesting questions, um, like and and um, because you could say like so what is what is accessibility, right? Like is is um, uh, is difficulty settings? Is is that a oh, no, now we, now we are opening up? Yeah, right. <laughs> this, this is a can of worms. Stop. At no, fifty no. something minutes in. Oh dear. No, no, but like Oops. so so. Um, what have you done? Uh, uh, <laughs> but like um, we're working on experiences that are like sometimes intentionally actually intentionally adding friction, right? Intentionally making it hard, right? Um, or like at least making it uh, a challenge, right? Um, and I think, you know, it's it's just a daily kind of, nah, not necessarily daily, but like it's a continuous kind of like discussion of like, well, how do we, you know, do we just make this experience skippable uh, by, uh, you know, uh, or do we want to make it like super easy, you know, combat or whatever, right? You know, should it be up to the player to just set these things? Um, uh, or, or, or what is actually kind of like our, um, uh, what are our intentions, right? Uh, with these kind of things should, uh, should uh, yeah. And, and I think, um, you could say, I think my approach, first of all, obviously, I think players should be allowed to ruin their own, ruin in, in their own experiences if they want, right? They should be allowed to, um, uh, as we talked about earlier, like take in agency and control over their own um, uh, experience, right? You know, yeah, somebody might, I don't know, uh, do do um, uh, speed runs, or somebody might do play this in weird ways, right? Uh, and they should for sure be enabled and even empowered to do that if they if they want to, right? Um, but then, and I think my my own my other point to accessibility is that you it's things should also be intuitive and simple to pick up, right? It should be we should still strive for making um, something pleasant, something that a um, a non kind of like a, you know hardcore gamer should be able to pick up and play and actually enjoy right maybe they bounce into things where stuff is getting hard um but that's at least kind of like that's my approach here and I'm, but 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 i think they should everything should be intuitive and they should be able to understand what is going on yeah, right? to, to be able to scale their own challenge mm, yeah. yeah um so i think but I, but i think it's it's uh, you know i don't think there are like easy answers to these kind of things um uh, and um so, so it's it's a uh, yeah. In that sense, it's it's a it's a super interesting design question that we like we're we're really often really sitting with mm. and discussing. I think we're sadly running out of time, but Lau, it's been fantastic to get to sit down with you mm-hmm. again. Uh, no push up this time. No, but I let let's do let's keep this going. <laughs> we'll see you in one year. <laughs> yes, and uh, then we'll do this again. Oh, for sure. Sounds good. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you again, Lau. Fantastic. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.